0: Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by John Robert Matz for Fossil Echo, an indie game that came out not too long ago. You'll hear more from John Robert in a few minutes. This weekend, November 18th through the 20th, is Gamer's Rhapsody here in the Twin Cities. This is the third year for this uh, video game music convention, and we are so excited for it again. Jaron Moore, who's the producer behind the Pokemon Symphony and the Zelda Symphony, those amazing touring orchestral shows, he and I will have an onstage chat Friday evening. Saturday morning, Austin Wintery joins us via Skype for a panel. Saturday afternoon, Sam and I are going to walk you through how we build a show, and I'll do a little bit of live editing and there will be demos and such. Then just in general over the weekend, there's many other panels, there's jams, there's tournaments, and we hope to see you there. Our patron of the week is Danny Barstad. Danny is a friend of ours. He's kind of also a fantastic drummer. He's a gamer, a composer, an arranger, Uh, So Danny shared his favorite music from the game Bully and also from a short Flash game called Every Day the Same Dream. We start off talking about Bully.
1: That game is so weird because I played it a little bit as a kid. Yeah. I was like, oh, this game's pretty cool. And then for some reason, like years later, I was well into college or maybe even right out of college. I think I just saw that game laying somewhere and I was like oh, that was a cool game. That (laughs) music was really cool in that game. And like, I remember at the time not thinking like too much on the, like I I wasn't like paying attention to the music, but for some reason, years later, I was like, you know what? That music was really good. And now I'm like (laughs) obsessed with that soundtrack.
0: that soundtrack is fantastic and you should tell me a little bit more about that specific track
1: for the longest time i could not and this is going to be really embarrassing coming from a drummer (laughs) but i could not count the beginning of that song it's just kind of like in this just three four like but it's just like droning out on this one note and Mm -hmm. i would always hear it in a different time signature Then the drum fill would come in and it sounded like really off, but really kind of John Bonamy, like (laughs) syncopated and really cool at the same time. And then when everything else came in, I'm like, oh, there's the beat. (laughs) It was kind of cool, like not knowing where anything was for a little bit, just those first like 10 or 15 seconds of the song, just kind of being lost in this space and like this little musical atmosphere. I would love for them to do a second one. That's one of those games where I can't, like, I'm really not into like reboots or like sequels of 20-year-old games and movies and TV shows and stuff like that. But, man, if they brought back Bully 2, I'd be so stoked about it. I'd buy a PS4 for it.
0: So let's talk about Every Day the Same Dream, because this is not something I'm familiar with.
1: No, and you know what? I was hesitant to like put it on this list because... I don't even know if many people would consider it like a proper video game. It was just this flash game, basically. And the song that I sent you is just, that's the entire soundtrack, basically. It's just one song, Mm -hmm. really short game. I think you can get through it in like 10 minutes. But basically, you are this character and you wake up and you just kind of side scroll like through these rooms. (laughs) Living like Groundhog's Day almost, you're like reliving the same day and every day you kind of like walk through the kitchen and your wife's there and she says something to you and you go into the elevator and the same person's there every day. Mm -hmm. You take the same route to work and it's kind of supposed to be like you're this person who's not very, I guess, happy with their life or their job or whatever aspect of it. And there's little things in the game where you're like driving and you can get out of the car and you walk to this tree and it has like this bright orange or red leaf on it, which is like the only color in the game. And it's kind of like this little glimmering ray of hope that just falls from this tree on this weird late fall early winter day and i don't know the music to that is just i will put that on repeat and just like jam out to it or just chill out and it like relaxes me or i'll put it on when i want to write or read and it's kind of just like my go-to meditating music i guess (laughs) that and that song from Portal that I sent you? Yeah. You know on iTunes where you can check how many times you've listened to a song? <laughs> yes. Those two are for sure the top two. Wow. And they're the top two by a lot. There's probably a couple hundred plays in between those two and the next most listened to track... <laughs>
0: Danny's other choices were Halls of Science 4 from Portal 2 by Mike Morasky. The Overture from Castlevania Three by Hidonori Maezawa, and the Main Theme from Final Fantasy Seven by Nobuo Uematsu. If you'd like to share your favorite video game music with us, learn how to become a patron of the week at patreon.com level. Composer John Robert Matz has three new projects to talk about. Two are out already, and one will come out shortly. He and I spoke about Fossil Echo about a year and a half ago on Top Score, long before the game came out. And he's added so much music in the meantime and it is all so chill and so pleasant.
2: The overall philosophy I approached Fossil Echo with was uh, that I wanted it to sound organic, that I wanted it to sound acoustic, if you will. It was all, you know, the overall sound was going to be skins, like for, you know, for drums and stuff like that, and, and mm-hmm. strings, and wood, and wind, and those sorts of kind of earthy, I guess is the best way to put it, sounds are things I wanted to kind of embrace. And then the first thing I realized was even the best samples had trouble carrying just like a melodic line by itself or something like that. And so what I wanted to do very early on is I came up with this idea of like, well, okay, I'm going to do my darndest to make sure there's at least one real instrument playing at all times. And if I can do... More than one and an instrument that is notable, that has, that is maybe easier to sample, like any kind of percussion instruments or Mm -hmm. kalimba or plucked string instruments, things of that sort, things that can be used to fairly reasonable effect with a keyboard that can produce that kind of sound Mm -hmm. that I wanted to kind of embrace that. And so what you end up with? in Fossil Echo, is a great deal of solo instruments backed by, you know, real solo instruments backed by more samples of larger ensemble sounds. So I have... An array of flutes. I started off with a penny whistle, a tin whistle, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, some recorders that my uh, my parents had acquired over the years that I eventually claimed for my own. Uh, <laughs> <you> know, nice, <laughs> nice German wood recorders. And Ooh. I've never been a very good recorder player. So I got very <laughs> much, much more adept at playing recorders on this thing. Wow! But in the process also... I kind of had this idea that I wasn't going to play anything quite right. I wasn't going to play it in its traditional style, so I wasn't playing European recorder techniques. Mm-hmm. I was kind of making, you know, there are there are some recorder techniques and some some effects I've applied to them that sound and make them sound much more uh, like Japanese flutes and things like that. And yep. Some other stuff, and so it, I it's thought it was shakuhachi for sure. Exactly. That what you're hearing there is. So, like, at the very beginning, you start to hear that sound, and, like, that kind of sound is actually Mm -hmm. created by an alto recorder that has a copy of itself pitch shifted down an octave just as, like, a slow, like, an opposite of an overtone. So, it's, like, a a fundamental shadowing it. And so, you get this weird sound that's not, it's real, because it is real, but it's not anything that actually could exist because you're getting this octave shadow below the primary tone and then I'm also playing it in a style that is you know imitative of you know different Japanese flute techniques some dulcimers that we have here you know I've kind of like plunked out some things on them i've gotten better since i've started on that i have a little kalimba nice. that i actually wound up like doing a bit of sampling of in in a very very rudimentary way because i'm not good enough to keep up patterns for long periods of time on it <laughs> so it's like okay we'll just kind of play this a little bit and then we'll slice and dice it and there we go perfect done
0: Kalimba isn't exactly as known as something like a recorder. So describe what kalimba is. It is a, a type of uh,
2: African, I think they're from Africa originally, it's a thumb piano. It's basically a series of um, metal prongs, basically, that are mounted in such a way that they have different resonating lengths. Let me see if I can grab this one here.
0: Yeah, and you just flick it, right? And the best part is that they're just, like, slightly out of tune. I just love that. And it's such a pleasant sound. It is. And so,
2: like, I did stuff with that. And then, like, this is uh, not a chromatic instrument. It's a diatonic instrument, Mm -hmm. which means that it only plays in one scale. And in this case, it's set up to be major with no chromatics. Yeah. So... I had to kind of like mess with that and warp it and bend it to make it play in other keys and fun other things and sometimes when it was particularly complex i'd use uh, a very good sampled one mm -hmm. but i wanted to keep that kind of sound it has a different sort of thing and you hear that kalimba very prominently in the very opening of the game you open up and you're on the sea and the sea is kind of rolling and I wanted to kind of imitate that with this kalimba and it is a kind of, it's a soothing sound but it also, you know, it can be a little ambiguous and we can uh, kind of conjure a little bit of mystery with it.
0: what the game is. Fossil Echo
2: is a 2D side-scrolling platformer with this beautiful hand-animated art style that is is incredibly French, but Mm. is like a Frenchman's view of the Miyazaki style of films. And that kind of actually makes sense because our artist and designer, Philippe Crivo is French. But is from a uh, tiny island called New Caledonia, which is nestled between, I think, Australia and New Zealand, and so it comes in this interesting background. Yeah. But the game is, it tells its story in an interesting way. It has a lot of cutscenes and stuff like that, and then it also has these platforming challenges and these stealth sequences where you're trying to get past bad guys. And the gist of it is that you play a small boy who's attempting to climb this massive, mysterious tower that is built on this island in the middle of the sea and stretches high into the sky, into the clouds. And we don't know why he's here, what he's trying to do or what he's going to accomplish. So we open the game as you arrive at this island and we don't really tell you anything. There's no dialogue in the game. There's no text anywhere. In fact, even all the menus are iconographic. Very kind of wrapped in mystery, and we kind of unwrap that as we ascend. And as we climb, we encounter bad guys, and the bad guys are very dangerous and they will kill you in one shot. And so you have to kind Mm of, you know, but you're a kid and you can't attack directly. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of play them off each other and slip past them unseen or jump on them from well above to because you can't quite Goomba them in the classic Mario style. Got to get some momentum first. (laughs) And so you make your way up this tower. And as you make your way up this tower, we arrive at these campfires where you light a fire and go to sleep. And then what happens is in a very memento style, we kind of cut back in time mm-hmm. and see a bit of how we got here. And okay. then we play through some of the past and then we go back to the present. And as we climb further up the tower, we cut further and back into the past and I don't really want to reveal too much because some of the mystery is part of the game and there's a lot of stuff that it leaves open to interpretation there are some multiple endings that you can unlock that will further elaborate on the plot in general and on the setting and it's a fair bit to unwrap and we like to leave people with a little bit of stuff to talk about to discuss.
0: Worked on the game for some time, right? You were you were. It's been in the works for a while.
2: Yeah, I think the game was in development for about three years, mm-hmm. and I came in about two and a half years ago uh, mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, and uh, I didn't work obviously twenty four seven for two and a half years, but yeah. uh, it was definitely something that I, I worked on for a good year or so, fairly steadily. And then as we started ramping things up and changing stuff and getting feedback from testers and tweaking things, we added more elements to the game and more sequences and I wrote more music. We've done pretty darn well in terms of claiming audio awards and things like that. You know we've gotten recognized by a few people and for a, we're nominated opposite inside actually uh, oh for an indie game contest in Spain. And so I'm I, I can't imagine meeting those guys because they did a fantastic job, but it's wow. incredibly wonderful to be you know up there next to them. About six or seven months into the project, from my perspective, we added a series of sequences where the player has to chase an object and it turns into kind of a vertical steeplechase and oh, you're climbing up this tower. So we have this bit where you're kind of tied to this object and the camera kind of follows them, but it also has a little bit of rubber banding to keep things exciting for the player. And so the music, I had a rough overall time to hit, but... I also had to make sure that, oh, if the player was really good, we ended it a little bit early, elegantly, you know. Whereas if they took a little bit longer, it kept the intensity up until they got to the end. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was fun, kind of getting to write this more action-oriented uh, music. Whereas yeah. a lot of the music in the game is designed in in some way to keep the player from stressing out too much because it's yeah. not a super easy game. It's a uh, it's a bit challenging.
0: What else have you been up to? We've we've fossil echoed for a bit here, so you have a, a new project that we're we're talking on a Friday and it's just coming out today. So tell us a little bit about that.
2: Sure thing. So I have been part of a organization that was founded by a guy named Sebastian Wolf, who is a very very insane, very brilliant man, and Materia is a collective, if you will, of composers, artists, and remixers, and musicians that have kind of glommed together to make a series of ridiculously brilliant remix projects. Uh, Our first album, you know, hence the name Materia, our first album was uh, based on Final Fantasy VII, and then our next one was Final Fantasy VIII, but we immediately Mm -hmm. have to kind of break with that trend, and we've done uh, albums for Undertale, for Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, for Sonic the Hedgehog, all of them, um, mm-hmm. for uh, all kinds of fantastic things. And our most recent release, which goes out today, the day we're recording this, mm-hmm. is an album called Song Cycle, The History of Video Games. And this is a weird, weird project that is kind of the brainchild of uh, Elizabeth Zaroff and to some smaller extent myself, making very late night kind of conversation and we came up with this ridiculous idea i think i wrote a poem and it was real dumb and uh it it spawned this ridiculous notion of making an album of art songs you know in the style Mm of of german leader and Mm -hmm. you know samuel barber schubert and schumann and this idea of like taking video game music and applying it to classical trappings
0: Just a pixel
2: And so we have this album that we put together with five fantastic vocalists, or I should say four fantastic vocalists and me. So we have Laura Intravia, who is with Video Games Live and doing a whole bunch of cool opera stuff on the East Coast. We've got Elizabeth Zaroff, who's kind of pushed this whole thing through to completion and done amazing work and she is singing with la opera and i believe was previously with seattle opera and a bunch of other cool things and she's mm-hmm. been all all over the world and we've got annie rosen who is i think originally from the east coast but is now in here in chicago and is singing with lyric opera and then we've got doug perry who is out again on the east coast and he is primarily known as a percussionist, but he has a great baritone voice. And so mm-hmm. we've recruited him into this nonsense because <laughs> some reason Doug Perry is an icon of materia and plays on everything. And so we can't have a uh, materia project without Doug Perry. Okay. Uh, and then you've got me. And so we've yeah. got full blown soprano, mezzo, alto, tenor, and baritone. Wow. some ensemble pieces. We have some duets. We have these fantastic solo pieces. I did a setting of a song from Final Fantasy X that is basically like a Brahms leader. There's stuff from Grim Fandango. There's stuff from Halo. There's stuff from Mario. If you like classical music, if you like opera, if you like art songs, and if you like video games, this is probably a thing that you should consider checking out. <laughs>
0: what else have you been working on lately?
2: I am uh, working on a game score for a game called For the King. It's kind of a strategy RPG. Imagine you're playing a procedurally generated board game where you move your party around and you get in fights that play out kind of like Final Fantasy fights, but it has this beautiful kind of low poly art style and the score for it is something I'm incredibly pleased with. It is a very early music-inspired score. We had this idea very early on of uh, having it feel like, at all times, the party was accompanied by a team of bards. So, like, we have this core of the sound, which is this small, early music inspired ensemble. Mm -hmm. And then, when we get to bigger things, the bigger things start to bring in your more orchestral elements. I've been abusing instruments quite a bit on this. You know, for sound effects, I've been, like, playing didgeridoo completely wrong. It sounds (laughs) like a fantastic war horn. For, like, low, sinister things, I've been playing French horn and pitch-shifting it down octaves. And it's just the most evil thing in the world. So when you need evil stuff, you go to that.
0: Robert, it's always such a pleasure to, to get to catch up with you in this way. You know, often we run into each other at conventions when we're all, both moving 10 million miles an hour. So uh, it's just nice to have a nice, chill conversation with you for once. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure as always. You can learn more about composer John Robert Matz at johnrobertmatz.com and Matz is spelled M-A-T-Z. You can also learn more about John Robert at patreon.com slash level. If you like our show, consider becoming a patron or maybe write up a review on iTunes or Podbean for us. That'd be awesome. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can... You can... You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about Sam and me at june-media.com. Remember, June is (laughs) J-O-O-N.